Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Glad you're here to worship with us today. If you are, um, if you are fifth grade and below, let me hear you for a minute. Say, say hello. I didn't give you good instructions. Let me try that again, okay? I want you to do this again. I'm going to say, fifth grade and below, I want you to say, hey, okay? And when I count to three, one, two, three. Oh, uh, some of you did. That's cool. All right, so everybody's good. I, I want to talk to you today. Jesus was sitting he, he, in, in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus sat down on the side of a mountain, and he was speaking to a huge crowd, and he delivered what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's one of the largest sections of teaching, straight teaching of Jesus in the Gospels. And so he goes and he starts teaching them. And in the last couple of weeks, we have looked at what we are supposed to be like, the, the character and the privileges of the kingdom. They're called the Beatitudes. And so now we're moving on to this second section. And Jesus is going to talk about two things. So if you're going to go home today and you're going to say, what was church about? What was the message about? I want you to be able to take this home with you, okay? Say this. I'll say it and you repeat it. Salt. Light. Salt. Light. Salt. Light. Perfect. All right, you're ready. Football season's in full effect. You're ready to do the cheer, the thing. It's worked out good. Today we're going to talk, Jesus calls his followers to be salt and light. And there are two metaphors, if you will, two images that will help us understand how we, as, as those who follow Jesus, are to be witnesses out to the world. The first thing Jesus said, this is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So the first thing, Jesus says, you are salt, okay? Salt. Salt is pretty common, right? Go in any restaurant. If you go in the early bird down here, they, you have a little salt gun they use to kill flies, okay? So you'll see salt on the floor. It's not just because they're missing out um, is, or people are missing when they're putting stuff, oh, uh, like that. It's not that they're just missing their plates, they have a little salt gun, they see a fly, and they shoot the fly down with salt. Not kidding. I've seen it. It's pretty cool. Salt is, com is common. It's cheap. But in this world, when Jesus would say that they were salt to these people, salt was even a bigger deal than it is now. Because we have these glorious things called refrigerators, Right? And you might think it's a pain, and you know your ice maker's going to break within two seconds of you buying it, okay? That's just how it happens. And it might leak in your floor and cause water damage, but imagine trying to live without a refrigerator or to try to live with one of those mini hotel refrigerators. Like, where's, where's all your expired food going to go, okay? When it's a little small one, you have to clean it out. No, you know what I'm talking about. B refrigerators are important. But before they had refrigerators... They had salt, and salt was a preservative. Salt kept things from deteriorating and becoming really smelly. Here's an example of some of those practices that have gone on. This is Slim Jim bacon jerky. Now, they've used chemicals and all sorts of things, but back in the day when they were preserved something, they were going to use straight-up salt. Now, I want you to think this. You see, like, I could throw this in the back of my car, and there will come no odor from this, okay? I might not want to eat it, but 
it's there. If I'm going camping, I can throw this in, in the bag, and it'll be fine. If I'm going hiking, you can throw this in the bag along with some trail mix, and you got something to eat. It's not going to go bad. But let me give you this. Go home. This is made out of pork, okay? It says made from 100% bacon. I don't know. Okay, good. All right. So hopefully this is actual meat. But if I went down to the Piggly Wiggly and decided to get some pork chops or something or get some, you know, some pork belly, which they probably wouldn't have there. I may have to go to Publix for that. But if I, you know, for lack of a better word, I got some pork, like raw pork, and I threw it in the back of my car, and I'll just let it go for like two months. Oh, I heard that, yeah. How's that going to smell? How's that going to do? Is that going to be good? No. It's going to be talking to me. It's going to like spontaneously generate and be like, hey, I'm terrible. I mean, it's going to be awful in the back. The smell, it will reek. It's rotting flesh. However, you put some salt on this thing, dehydrate it, cure it in the salt, the process of putrefaction or decay will stop. So when Jesus calls his followers the salt, says you are the salt of the earth, he at first has in mind a preservative. Imagine, if you will, if there are no laws whatsoever. Can you imagine if speeding were legal? Just think about, like, you may still do it, but you know there's a ramification if you get caught. So you know if you're going 100 through the circle, you've all thought about this. In Lebanon, the little roundabout, you're like, oh, I could do 100 in here. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right? If that was, if that was legal, chaos. Right? What if murder was legal? The Nashville roads would have less traffic on them, but more abandoned cars. Can you imagine, kids, if there was no rules at school? Some of you are like, yes, no. It'd be like, they'd have teachers chained to, like, the wall. It would be bad. There'd be fires in trash cans. He'll be riding, riding janitor like mop buckets down the, down the inclines. Think about a world without God's good grace of government, even though the government's a mess. It still keeps some things at bay, some evil and wickedness of the human heart at bay. And think about a world where there was no law and there was no right, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's what we have in the book of Judges. It would be a mess. Now, Jesus has called this peculiar people out to be part of his kingdom, believers. And they're supposed to be salt and light. These are the ones that are blessed because they're pure in heart. And, they're gonna, and they'll, they'll, they'll know the kingdom. They're the merciful who re- receive mercy. They're those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And, and they will be satisfied. That's the type of people here. And so God is calling believers in Jesus to be this preservative in the world. And so our lives lived in according to his principles and according to faith in him and a, and a life of worship towards God should be a witness to everybody else that we are preservative in this world to keep the putrefaction from happening. So just our very presence in the world helps with it being preserved. And you know this. You know this to be true. Have you ever been in a situation? You ever seen, hey, any of you kids, have you ever seen anybody picked on at school? Anybody ever seen that? You know what's usually what, what happens? If one person is picked on and everybody joins in, it's much worse, right? One person starts it, 
Another person comes in, then before long, everybody's jumping on that person, and it's really bad. But can you imagine a situation in which there's one kid being picked on, and one other kid says, that is wrong. That is totally not in keeping with the fact that they're made in God's image. And they may not say it like that. They may say, God made him just like he made you, and you shouldn't say that. Can you imagine how, how quickly that'll stop and the shame will enter in? So many, different, so many different things in which the Christian life, which following Jesus, is a preservative in this world. Combating a harsh word with mercy. Combating a me, me, me attitude with the, the selfless attitude of Jesus that would wash someone else's feet. It's a preservative in this world that keeps it from being as putrid as it could be. It's one of those things, count your blessings. If you think this is bad, it could be worse. If you think what you've seen on television is bad or what you've seen in Washington is bad, it could be worse. If there was not a testimony of right and good and truth from Christ and his people. And sometimes Christ and his people miss the mark and add to the putrefaction, but that is not how it should be. We are to be salt. Everybody say salt. We are. You are. Jesus said to his followers, you are the salt. You're the preservative of the world. Then he also would say, salt does two things, okay? It preserves. We got the bacon. But salt also flavors. I have two forms of cracker here. I need a volunteer. Do I have a young volunteer here, JT? Why don't you come on up? Would you like to volunteer? Come on. All right. And let's see. Get you, Spencer. Come up here. All right. I'm going to give you all two crackers. Come here. Come on up. You just come on, stand up here, guys. Let's give, a, let's give our, uh, our, our, come on, come on up, Violet. All right, let's give these guys a round of applause, my guinea pigs. All right, I want you, each one, go back that way, Spencer, face the crowd there. All right, take one of those, and hold that in, in one of your hands, take one of those, take one of those. All right, now I want you to take one of these, hold it in a different hand, there you go, to hold it in a different hand, hold it in a different hand. All right, remember which hand is which, okay? Now, I want you to take a bite of the first cracker I gave you. Wow, a lot of cracker on the ground. That's good. <laughs> Plan this out really well. All right, now, how's that, how's that doing for you? All right? Okay, all right, now take another bite. Take a bite of the other one, the other cracker, the one you hadn't bitten off. Yeah, go ahead. It's pretty good. But listen, you try to eat crackers in front of a bunch of people. You probably haven't done that before, all right? All right, which one do you prefer, the one I gave you first or the one I gave you second? Second. Second? Second, you know why? The first cracker has no salt, which is terrible, like the communicate wafer we just served you, okay? The second one has salt. Why does it taste better? Absolutely. Thank you, Violet. I don't know if you heard that. She said the salt gives taste. Thank you very much. You may sit down. You can finish those crackers if you want to. Do not choke, please. All right. The difference between the two things is taste. Try to eat stuff without salt. Get something low sodium. American diets are chock full of sodium. Try to get something low sodium. Do you know what you're immediately going to do? My mother-in-law has had high blood pressure, and so she got salt-free ketchup. It was like getting, it was terrible. I put, I ruined a hamburger. I was like, because you could, like, I needed, you, I said burn this outside, Okay. It's ter- it was that bad. It was like, oh, it's like worse than tomato. I mean, like, tomatoes are fine if you're getting a tomato, but this is like flavorless tomato goo. Why? 
Does that exist? Be- Salt gives flavor. So when Jesus is talking, he says to his believers, you are the salt. They would have picked this up because there's two things that salt is good for. Preservatives and flavor. We are to be a flavor of heaven on earth. A flavor of God's rule and reign here which is shown by our attitudes and our actions and our character, which relate to who God is. That we show mercy, that we have pure, we're pure in heart, that we recognize our own spiritual poverty, we're humble and meek. Those are the type of things that we should be about, and it adds flavor to the world. How many of you just say, I love that arrogant guy at the gym or at work? I just love that arrogant girl. I love how vain and stuck up she is. I love, if there could just be more arrogant jerks in the world, it would be great. I love it when, they, when, when you got a player on TV, when they're interviewed, and I love it when they say, my teammates are terrible. They're dragging us down, but I single-handedly want us the game. Do we applaud that even in our culture that's so jacked up? Of course we don't. What do we, what do we, what do we applaud? Team players. Those who are full of meekness, humility, servant attitude. We don't want that in our lives, but we love when other people do it. But that is what Christ brings these new people with new character and these new privileges, they will be part of the kingdom of God. They're sons and daughters of God. That is these, that's, that's who people are. That's who Jesus is talking about, those in the kingdom, those who have been saved, those who are Christians. And they're to be a witness to the world in two ways. They're supposed to preserve it with their goodness and their, and their new character in Christ, and they're supposed to give flavor to it. The flavor of humility, the flavor of goodness in darkness. In fact, he changes the metaphor. We said the first one was salt. Everybody say salt. Second one was light. Everybody say light. So Jesus calls us to be light. Now, first, before we go on, he says something about the salt. Salt, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So it gives the metaphor, talks about preservation and flavor. And then he says, if salt is not salty, then it's good for nothing. You can't even throw it out and use it. Okay? The dump doesn't even have any use for salt. Now, if you know anything about sodium chloride, okay? I think that's why I said that right. All right? Uh, good. That gives some nods. Um, if, you, if you know anything about that, it does not lose its saltiness. Do you know when salt, especially in this era, would become ineffective is when it was intermingled or, or it had other elements or properties, other chemicals in it. Not naturally occurring ones, but it would be fake. It would have some properties of salt and then it would have another mineral in it. And therefore, it would be salty for a minute, but ultimately those other minerals would cancel it out and it would be fake and faulty. And so his idea here, he's telling them, is that you are the salt of the earth, and if you are not salty, if you are not a preservative in your world, and you're not adding fl- the flavor and aroma of Christ in your world, then you've missed your purpose 
And if that's not you, you're probably not, not in the faith at all, and you're probably not genuine. See, there's a lot of people that try to play church but don't have a genuine knowledge of God. And oftentimes, those are the ones that hurt people the most, who have the form of godliness but don't have its power. And Jesus says, to look at our lives, it says true followers are salt. They're preservatives in their world, and they add flavor to their world. And if there is corruption in there, and they, those, those process, there is no saltiness in their life, no preservative, no flavor, then they are, they're, they're purposeless. They are not accomplishing what God has for them, and they show, their faith is fake. Their faith is fake. Then he would say, we said salt, now he says light. Everybody say light one more time. Light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city, set, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So Jesus says we're salt, and then he says we are light. Now, I thought about a couple of, about a month ago, I wore my headlamp here, which is one of my prized possessions. If you ever seen a headlamp, they're great. Anyone makes fun of a headlamp, you don't know what utilitarian is, because it's awesome. You can read a book with it, you can go under the house with it, you can do whatever you want with a headlamp. No hands required, because it's, it's bolted to your forehead, plus you look awesome. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. Judson said, you look like a miner, okay? Like, like a, an underground miner. I thought, I need to demonstrate light to you guys, but no, I don't, because it's actually happening right now. There, look around. There are no windows in this place. The only, if we were to turn out these lights, the only natural light would be coming out from those entry doors right there. There wouldn't be much in here but darkness. We see lights all around us. At night, you don't have to light a kerosene lamp unless something's going on with your electricity. Usually you just flip a switch and the whole house is full of light. We recently remodeled our basement, or our, not our basement, but our garage and made it into a room and I put these giant LED lights in there. It's like a tanning bed. You can see it, you can see it for miles to come, okay, if we open the windows and doors. It's, it's harsh, okay? I mean, it's like, ah! Light casts out darkness. It's very evident. You see this, we see this imagery all the time. Jesus would say of himself, you are, I said, he would say, I am the light of the world. It's a shining forth of God's goodness and radiance. Light is very important. Light to these folks would be hard to come by because they would have, especially in the darkness of night, they would either have the moon or some type of torch, lamp with burning oil. And it would be hard to, it wouldn't light up like we can. I have these LED lights that cost almost nothing to operate, and you turn them on, and it's, just, it's brighter than daylight. It's so bright. And that takes minimal energy to make that happen. That's, that's it. But they would have had a difficult time. Have you ever gone and Google searched the world at night? I found a picture of Florida, where I'm from, state I'm from, at night from space. It's pretty cool. Along the coast, it's lit up. Inland, sorta. Everglades, 
nada, okay? You ever been down there? That's the land of gators and now anacondas because somebody brought them up from South America and they released them, okay? Pythons and boa constrictors. No light out there. Why? From, from, and it's pretty stark. It's pretty staggering. Why? Because they don't have electric lights there. And if you look at the developed part of the world next to an undeveloped part of the world, a third world, the amount of darkness is staggering. Now, this is an undeveloped place, or at least not doesn't have the modern technology with the people that Jesus was talking to. They would have, if they had, if it was dark, they'd either have to light a lamp, which gave off a, a little bit of light, or they would see a lot of them together accumulated in the city, and that would give light. And so Jesus calls his followers light, those who cast out darkness, those who shine forth God's glory and goodness to the world like a light. You know, light beats darkness every time. Think about it. <laughs> when was the last time darkness snuffed out your lighter? When was the last time you went into a room and you turned on the flashlight on your phone and the darkness was like, nope, not going to do it. Not going to run away. Darkness is the absence of light, right? Boom. And the light casts out the darkness. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Then he says in verse 14, you're a city set upon a hill, can't be hidden. Now again, a city raised up with all these lights would be a, an amazing sight for someone who lived in, lived in the, the dark nighttime that they would have lived in. Only little lamps, but all, the accumulation of all these lamps together, this city would be stark. And you imagine in a dark landscape, and then all of a sudden, look, this light. It reminds me of a story. When the tornadoes came through, I wasn't here, but it was 2008, I believe. We were talking about this the other night. The, going towards Macon County, there's the, uh, the uh, gas plant. What, what is that one called, Roy? Gas plant? Columbia Gas. Well, apparently, during that time, when the tornado came through, it was hit, and it exploded, basically. And there was a fire, and Roy told me he thought Kentucky had caught fire. And apparently the glow was so great that they saw it in Nashville. This light could be seen from, from everywhere. So Jesus says to his followers, you are the light of the world. Those, that, that which casts out darkness, and you're like a city set on a hill, and you can't hide that. Just like from space, and you look down and you see the lit up coastline, light casts out darkness, and it should be seen. And so the peop his people should be salt. And they should be this light, this beacon of truth and goodness and the reflection of God. And then he goes on and he says, verse 15, listen, you can't hide a city on a hill. Verse 15 says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to everybody in the house. So here's the deal. I got this lamp, okay? When you light it, if, you're, if it's dark in the house, okay, let's say your power goes out. Anybody ever had the power go out? Awesome. <laughs> Perfect. When the power goes out, it's dark, and you're stumbling around, and you know they tell you to make the safe plan. Maybe, maybe you do, and you are really got it together. I don't. I'm always tripping over stuff. I'm like, where do we put the lantern? Okay? And I finally found that. I heard some laughs. <laughs> I had some looking at each other. I told you we need an emergency plan. You got that thing, and you turn it on. You don't turn on the flashlight to put it under a pillow. You don't turn on that light put a basket over it, what do you do? Especially if there's a whole bunch of you. You put that high up so the light would spread everywhere. And so here is what Jesus is getting at. Jesus makes us the light of the world not to be hidden, but to shine bright. 
His people are to be a preservative in the world against the putrefication of sin. We're supposed to be a flavor of God to those around us, showing goodness and mercy and, and God's character. And we're to be a light, shining forth, not to be hidden. He did not save you for you to, to hide it. He saved you for you to shine like a light in the darkness. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. And you don't light a lamp to put it under a basket. You light a lamp so people can see. And Jesus goes on and he finally says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they might see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, some of you are thinking, I don't know if people want to see me shine. You don't know, I got some rough, rough stuff happening in my life. Well, here's the thing. There's only been one perfect light, right? Christ. Are you Jesus? If you think you are, we need to have a talk. He was perfect, and he is the light of the world. And our job is to reflect the light. Now, let me be very clear about this. The perfect light, what is the, the sun is supposed to reflect, or the moon is supposed to reflect the sun's light, correct? Is it as bright as the sun? Is it? No? Has anybody ever said, man, I got, I got moon burn. I was, I was out at the beach and I just got moon burn. No. You don't say that because it reflects. But is it still light? Absolutely. The call is not to perfection, but it is to trying. It is to running towards him in faith, to running towards being a light in the darkness. So kids at your school, if you're following Jesus, you are supposed to be a light for Jesus in your school. Adults, you are supposed to be a light for Jesus in your home. You're supposed to be a light for Jesus in your job, a light for Jesus in your extended family's life, a light for Jesus everywhere. Now, you will not be perfect, but you're a reflection. And just because it's not as brilliant or as radiant as the source does not mean it's not light. And Christians have been a light in the darkness since Jesus called us out of darkness. For example, look at mo the history of most hospitals. Do you know who most hospitals were started by? Believers, Christians. That's not always the case, but most of them have been started, have some faith background. You know why? Because our faith leads us to be light in the world. You know, I'll tell you this. Most of, if you look, most of our universities, most of them, not all of them, but many of them, especially some of the Ivy League ones, were started as ways to train ministers, and they were there for the glory of God, Harvard and Yale. They're not there now, but they were. Light, Christian bringing the light of knowledge. Paleontology, most of the people who came up with paleontology were believers. It's been taken in a wrong direction faithless direction now, but if you go back and you look, paleontologists and many scientists were believers, and they followed truth where truth took them, and they, they believed that all truth was God's truth. 
Now, since then, many have fallen and many have shown themselves not to be truly salt and light and to be true believers. But I will tell you this. If you look at the history of Christianity, there have been its dark splotches because we have not always been as radiant as the sun. We're just reflection. There have been a lot of people who have done a lot of bad things in Jesus' name who did not show the fruits of the Spirit. I mean, go back and you can look at the Crusades and you can look at many things in which, quote-unquote, Christendom has been wrong. But if you look at true faith in Jesus Christ and you look at what it does and you look at this glorious light on the world, you will see more goodness, more light than you'll see darkness. For every pastor you see fall in some type of sin on the news, there are hundreds who just keep giving their lives for people to know Jesus. For every Christian you see holding the picket sign, there are scores of them who are in the field helping the homeless find hope in Christ, out there helping the addicted find hope in Christ and freedom from their addiction, to see people out there being missionaries in foreign lands. For everyone you see, it's a scandal and it is an embarrassment. There are more out there who are called according to his purposes and are doing great things and who are being a light. I want you to know this. It may seem dark in our land, but Christ still shines through his church. So, you know that song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh man, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You did better than I thought. <laughs> hear me, hear me. Christ has called us to that life, and we should walk in it. And if you are here today, and you are in the darkness of sin, let me give you good news. Let me give you just really good news. You don't have to walk walk in darkness any longer. There is a light, Jesus. He exposes our sin, yes, and he convicts us of our sins and shows them that they are wrong. And sin is terrible. But he provided atonement for sin through Christ. And all who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life once you walked in darkness. But in Christ, turning from your sins and believing in him, you can walk in everlasting light. If you want to talk to somebody about that, I'd love to talk to you about that. If you're here today, I just want you to remember, you are salt and you are light. We're going to pray. God, you're good to us. Thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for this time with these, these young young folks in here, God, and us more mature folks in here, God. Thank you for your good truth to us. God, let us be salt and light. Let us be a witness for you in the world. You're good. Let us reflect your glory to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, let's stand up and we'll receive these words of benediction. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they will see your good works and will give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's our task and our privilege. You're dismissed in God's grace.